Carrie, there you are. Hi. <laughs> this is so fun. Yeah, I'm so happy to talk to you. I don't know how to pronounce your last name. In French or the English version? The Southern California Angelino version. <laughs> okay. Then you can say Constantine. Constantine. Mm-hmm. How is it in French? Constantin. Oh, I will stick to Constantine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hello. Welcome to episode number 14 of the Joe DeVoe Show. I'm your host, Joanna DeVoe, but you can call me Joe. And I am here to uplift and support my fellow creatives, lovable weirdos, and makers of magic. And today, as you may have already figured out, I have a very special guest to help me do that. Her name is Marion Costantine, and she is the kick-ass creatrix behind the Reclaim Oracle deck and the Lilifer Tarot deck. Two very, very popular decks right now. I'm in love with them both. This is such an awesome conversation. I just know you're going to love it. I know you're going to love it. I've been so excited to share this with you. We talk about the vulnerability in sharing your authentic self through your creativity with the public, especially the wounded, frightened parts of yourself. She shares her experience with mental health issues and how art has helped her process and heal some of that. And to really create this whole world of imagery that can help other people process their pain as well. And body issues. The Reclaim Oracle deck is so great for that. And this really ties in with the kind of shadow work that I like to do in the summertime. I have come to associate the summer with shadow work because the heat always brings up a lot of lethargy and frustration and anger for me just by virtue of the fact that there is no air conditioning in this very, very old 1912 bungalow we live in. And I park my car in an alley with no cover or shade. So when you get into it, it's like stepping into an oven. I know I've already told you this multiple times, but I'm telling you again because it is very intense. And I have learned to channel the feelings that come up around that into just doing some shadow work. I might as well, if I'm feeling pissed off or lethargic, which definitely reminds me so much of the days decades ago. I'm still sensitive about this, and it happened decades ago, the days when I was so depressed that I couldn't get up. It felt like I had lead in my veins. I felt so lethargic and so heavy and I had so much shame around it because I'm a very driven person. I'm a creatively ambitious person. I'm a mom and it made me feel really bad that I couldn't get up to do some basic things. I was very determined to overcome that and I did but I still get a little bit freaked out when the heat comes along and it makes me feel lethargic because it just touches on that old wound and so I've learned I can channel that feeling into doing a bit of shadow work and doing a bit of healing and so I'm a fan of using the summertime. I know a lot of you love the summer and it's such a playful happy fun time for you. It is for me on the days where it's cool and breezy 
But once it starts getting into August and then September here in Los Angeles, it's just heavy. We have now what is called fire season. (laughs) I think that is so scary and ridiculous, but also accurate. We have wildfires that start kicking off like midsummer and take us all the way into the autumn. So in addition to being very, very hot, it's also dirty. The air is very dirty and smoky, and then it's frightening and scary when they're doing evacuations. And so again, all of this is fodder for me for doing shadow work. And so that is why I tend to talk about it at this time of year. And because I struggle with the summer in that way, I often will pick a theme for myself to make it fun. I'm a self-development junkie. I'm a self-help nerd. And so if I pick a theme, like something that I'm going to work on for the summer, it helps keep me really engaged and excited about life. So this year, I am doing self-worth summer. Self-worth summer. My word of the year is worthy. And I've really dialed that down personally for myself to be about self-respect. And so I am going to be doing a dedicated solo episode about self-respect and what I have learned so far in working with that energy, but I want you to know that I'm also running a special for Self-Worth Summer if you like to do this kind of work too, and you can check out the links to this in the show notes, but the Shadow Love Audio Journey is 50% off all summer long with the code self-worth if you put self-worth in all lowercase no spaces if you put that in at checkout it will roll 50 percent off the price and that is a very gentle exploratory audio journey it's just like a series of provocative but friendly podcasts to kind of get the wheels turning and to help you start to identify some ways you can maybe offer your shadow self a bit of kindness and healing. And then if you're the kind of person that's more like, Summer, yay, I don't know what you're talking about with all this shadow stuff, Joe. I also am running a special on The Magic Star, which is another audio journey with the same discount code, SELFWORTH at checkout. You will get 50% off that. And it's another series of podcasts sharing my personal formula for manifestation. And that's a really fun one to do. I actually think they go hand in hand because so much of what we are manifesting into our lives, we are doing through the subconscious. And before you've done a lot of shadow work and really gotten to know yourself that way, a lot of what you're manifesting might be through the shadow, which to me makes doing shadow work worthwhile because I do not want to keep bringing the same crappy patterns into my life again and again and again. Like consciously I can be like, I want to manifest this fabulous experience. And then I end up manifesting this old crap that is so familiar and that I have brought into my life again and again and again and again. And it just keeps looping around in this pattern. And so it's exciting when I can go in get to the root of the pattern, heal whatever wound is down at the bottom of it, and then start moving the energy in a way to where I actually can consciously and deliberately start calling better feeling things in. And then just bringing that all back around to this conversation with Marion here today, 
She's a person, I think, that really exemplifies that. I love creative people. I love people who have found a way to make a living being creative or maybe just have a side hustle being creative because that's the path I've been on for decades now. And I find it very challenging and very satisfying at the same time. And it's a unique challenge to each of us. So I'm never gonna get sick of interviewing professional creatives because we all have that in common, the drive coupled with the satisfaction of making our own way in the world and having to come up against our own shadows. I always say like having an online biz specifically is like the most accelerated path to shadow work that you can do. It'll bring up all your junk. So we all have that in common, but also each path is so entirely unique which I find inspiring. And I actually got to meet Marion after we did this interview. I hosted a little brunch party here in LA. I got to meet Nicole Pierre, who I just had on the podcast. She's the one who created the Spirit Cat and the Witch Cat Oracle decks. I got to meet her and her friend Katya. And I got to meet some other people too, who I've gotten to know a little bit online and I finally got to meet them in person. My friend Amy brought a couple of friends that I've never met before. And it was such a great experience, but I ended up sitting right next to Marion. And yes, she looks how she sounds. She was wearing a beret. She's such a French girl. She was wearing a beret and she has such a lovely energy and it was great getting to meet her in person. So now this interview is extra special to me. This is our first real conversation and I'm so happy to share it here with you now. Enjoy. Hi, Marion. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to get to talk to you finally because... I don't know, we kind of hang out sometimes on Twitter and interact. And this is the first time I've been able to speak to you one-on-one. Yeah. And this is funny for me because I've been listening to the podcast for years now. So it feels a little bit surreal, but really fun. It's fun for me. I love bringing people who listen to the podcast onto the podcast because then, I don't know, it feels more like a conversation. Like I'm not just talking to myself and you are so interesting You posted a tweet, you know, I'm a Twitter person. You tweeted this morning and I was like, this is the perfect way to start this interview because I just have a feeling it's going to say so much about who you are. And then we can talk about what you do. Is that cool? Yeah, let's go. Okay, so you tweeted, all my favorite novels are about women in psychiatric wards. So one, that's very interesting. Two, what are these novels you speak of and why? Uh I guess that would be three. Yes. Oh, well, my three favorites are, of course, The Bell Jar by Sylvia Plath. Mm-hmm. And I also really love Girl Interrupted. Yep. And also The Snake Pits. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with this one. It's an old one that I think was adapted into a movie that I haven't seen. I've um, heard of it, but I've not read it. I recommend it. It's, it's actually out of print it has never been reprinted apparently ever since it came out I have a really old edition that I found on eBay for like five dollars a long time ago and I love that book wow what do you love about those like all of them that theme of women in psychiatric wards they make me feel seen I'm someone who struggled with mental illness and have for most of my adult life 
And those novels or any story really just uh, strikes a chord. It makes me feel like my emotions are, they're real, you know, and there's other people can feel them too. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, I come from a family where emotions are really not allowed. I mean, they were never formally forbidden, but it was understood that you were not to express them in any way because there's a lot of shame in my family. I think it's been like this for decades, if not centuries, especially Mm. the women in my family are very quiet, reserved, very ashamed of their emotions. I've never really had a really profoundly honest conversation with my mom. Yeah, but I see in her eyes what she's feeling inside and it it breaks my heart a lot. Oh, you know, what's so fascinating is I feel like you're carrying on that tradition through your work that you yourself are providing that representation for other women that are going through something similar. So I guess we should tell people about what you do. You want to tell them in your own words? I can try. (laughs) I guess I should talk about Reclaim because that's really what started everything that I'm doing now. Reclaim is an oracle deck with a focus on emotional healing. And it's a deck that you can use as a shadow work tool or a journaling tool art therapy tool and this characters on all the cards and those bodies are very feminine very curvy round and very soft and their postures convey the emotion that is attached to each card and so the deck the newest version has 90 cards and each card is a different emotion or feeling And so in order to create it, I had to go really, really deep within myself and connect with every one of these emotions, which was a very exhausting process, but also very healing. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm well aware that the creation served my healing, but it was really intended to help people take ownership of their own healing process as well. And Reclaim has been in the world now for almost two years and it's doing its thing. (laughs) Magic is operating. I see it on social media. People are loving it and sharing their experiences with it. And it's been just so magical for me to watch this. I feel very grateful, very connected. I have to chime in too and just say it's beautiful and needed. It's very unique. There's nothing like it that I've ever seen. And I love two things about it specifically. Well, three, because I love lowbrow art. It's my favorite. I always connect with that the most strongly because it feels very human to me. It feels human to human. That's why I love it. But your deck feels also, it's about how emotions are expressed through the body. Mm -hmm. And I like that people can tap into that right away. And it's so interesting because the themes are very dark. You are the owner of Little Darkness. Is it Little Darkness Press or Little Uh, Dark Press? Little Darkness. Little Darkness. Okay. The themes are dark, but the cards are adorable. So it's very interesting. It's inviting you to explore these darker feelings and emotions in a very friendly way. Do you know Mm. what I mean? They're like very cute little monsters of our emotions. Even, you know, the colors are very simple. It's just black and this rose color because I wanted it to feel 
safe and welcoming um, because those emotions, a lot of those emotions are scary. You know, if you have to connect yeah. with your sense of shame or guilt or, you know, it, it it's terrifying. And each card really holds space for that. Yeah. I think, you know, helps with the, the process. For me, when I think about the shadow, I think about a monster that we're afraid of. And when you reframe that as fear, like it's afraid of us. It's like this mm-hmm. cute little monster that needs our love only until you can love the shadow. Can you truly integrate it in my opinion? And it's about vulnerability. It's our vulnerability that we're really tapping into. And there's something about your cards that convey that without any words. It's just an image, but I get all of that from your imagery. Yeah. I really believe that you have to feel it to heal it and there's no way around it. And it begins in the body because that is where we store our emotions and our memories, our traumas and and our very selves. So starting in the body is just step number one is so important and keep that connection throughout. Is that how you have done your own healing is through the body? Do you do body work, somatic practices and things like that? I actually have the hardest time being in my body. And I think that's why I know how <laughs> crucial it is. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. I, it's actually through creating Reclaim that I realized that my body had all the answers really. So because in order to create a card, I would have to close my eyes and think about the feeling and really try to find it in my body. Like, where does it live? Where am I keeping this? Mm. And from there, okay, so I was able to locate it, say, in my left hand. Okay, so I knew that the card would have a hand on it. And from there, a whole world would unfold. And that was amazing. It was really, really fun. And very surprising at times. You'd be surprised where you store your emotions. And it's different for everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you find that a lot of different people connect to the cards anyway? Yes. That's what's really interesting because I was really surprised to see how much people connected with it. Because to me, you know, these cards, they came from a very personal place. They came from my experience, but somehow people seem to connect with it very deeply. And I think that's what's fascinating to me is that we all have completely different stories, completely different, you know, scars, but somehow we were able to understand each other with the language of emotions. And I find that really fascinating, Mm. a sense of connection. And that's been also very healing for me and very validating seeing that people were seeing themselves in the cars. It was like, they were seeing me too. Yeah. Yeah. And you're seeing them. I think it taps into a universal energy, particularly with people that have a similar experience. And it's the reward for being brave, for letting yourself be extremely vulnerable. And it's scary. Very scary. Did you feel fear when you first published the deck beyond normal? Like, you know, it's scary to publish a deck. Maybe people won't like it beyond all of that. Did you Mm. feel a fear in sharing those vulnerabilities? Yes, I, I was afraid, but the, the sense of urgency I felt completely overcame. There was just no way around it. I, I just, I knew I had to put this out. 
And I had to do it quickly because I'm someone who <laughs> changes their mind or like stops halfway. And so I created the deck really, really quickly within two months. And wow. two months later, it was already on Kickstarter and it was out. And I was like, okay, I did it. I'm done. <laughs> Let's see what happens. So you completed it and then you put it on Kickstarter. Yes. Yes. Because I, I couldn't afford to, to print it myself. It was such a, it's very expensive to make a deck. Wow. And I wanted to see first, you know, are people into it? Was my instinct right? You know, is there really a need for, for this object right now in the world? And apparently there was, and I'm glad there was. How did you know? Like, what was the first sign where you're like, okay, this is clicking? I'm not sure. I think it's when I, I first announced it, I think on Instagram, I created an Instagram account and I posted a few pictures and people seem to be really into the idea and so then when I launched the Kickstarter I started getting a lot of um, backers and I was like okay I guess I guess maybe I was right let's see how this goes and two weeks later I was fully funded and I couldn't believe it I was crying I was laughing I was (laughs) I went through so many emotions but it was it was a beautiful time that first edition holds a special place in my heart I think forever those first 500 backers, you know, they're, yeah, I I love them. I'm very Uh grateful to them for for helping me, you know, bring this into reality. Yeah. It's another testament to being brave and being vulnerable because that's from authenticity springs from Mm -hmm. that. And I think that's what people connect with. And I remember when I very first saw your art, I was like, yes, (laughs) (laughs) Immediately, it wasn't like, I think I need to see more. It was just from image one. I love this. I love it. And I've followed you ever since because I love it. And I want to clarify something to you about what I said about the shadow and Mm -hmm. how learning to love the different shadow aspects is necessary to fully integrating. The kind of love I'm talking about is attention and listening, listening and making space for that part of you to exist and to be real. Yes, definitely. That's actually, that's very crucial because it's important that we're not telling people you have to love the fact that you're ashamed. You have to love the fact that you feel like crap all the time. That's not, no, that's not okay. It's not okay to say that. It's not okay to expect it. So it's more like you said about being present with the totality of what you feel. And that's where healing happens. Yeah, definitely. And your brand has just grown from there. I mean, you have Lilifer, we need to talk about that, the tarot deck that you created, but you have a reclaim Oracle deck, a journal, you did a booster pack at some point, there's shadow work zines, enamel pins, stickers. It's a whole world that you've created and you're still creating. Yeah, I'm just getting started. I just have so many ideas now. And I I am so relieved to have found a platform for my work because for years I was really wandering it aimlessly. I've been making art since I was a little girl. I went to art school when I was 17. I got kicked out because I was never attending classes because I was terrified of my teachers. Uh, so I just, you know, I was making zines with my friends. I was doing art shows, you know, locally. Nothing really stuck. And I was trying to really worry. And when I moved to the U.S. two years ago, I was like, okay, this is my chance. I had a 
completely blank canvas in front of me. I was in a new place. There was no one there that knew me. So I was free of other people's expectations or I was free of everything I, that I had left behind, you know, in Europe. I felt that there was my chance to create a life that was in alignment with who I was. And I took that chance and I'm so glad I did. It was very scary, but two years you really grabbed hold of that opportunity and made the most of it and I actually wanted to ask you about that you did a post about your hometown and I was like where's her hometown because I just thought you were from here Mm -hmm. and I literally just this morning learned that I think were you born in Paris and raised in Berlin I was born in Brittany France that's in the northwest of France so I come from a very um I grew up in a medieval town, you know, there's a Celtic background also in my region. So I come from a very old place. I spent several years in Paris later, and then I moved to Berlin. And then in 2020, me and my husband relocated to the U.S. because that's where he's from. He's from L.A. Oh, okay. And then you were in Joshua Tree for a while. Yes, yes. Actually, that's where we, uh, we settled down there for a while which turned out to be a blessing because just when we moved there, lockdown started. So it was really the perfect place because we never really felt the lockdown because we were out in nature. We felt very free. We didn't feel so restricted. And in a way, not being able to go out and get a job, that's served me well because I had all the time in the world to create a deck everything aligned (laughs) it was divine timing I'm really into this idea of divine timing this year in particular so definitely mm -hmm. I really felt that yeah and for people who don't know Joshua Tree is the desert so how do you go from a medieval hometown to the desert without experiencing culture shock that must have (laughs) been so odd it's so barren out there and then even where like the main strip is, you still definitely feel like you're in the desert. Yes. You know, I visited Joshua Tree for the first time in 2016 and I fell in love with it. And it was always on my mind because I thought the people there were just so creative and so friendly and welcoming. And I don't know, I just had a craving for that. And I'm a small town girl. And I think it just felt like... A place where I could thrive in some way mm-hmm. yeah I felt at home right away it's just you know sometimes you just have an instinct and you just have to go with it honestly it feels like the perfect place for a little darkness to be born because of what you're saying but also I got to go to Joshua Tree on vacation with my son last fall and what really struck me about it is the creativity you're talking about but also mm-hmm. just the nature itself is so weird and create <laughs> and creative. Like it's, it springs up under the most harsh conditions. And the time of year that we were there, it was gorgeous. It was stunning. It was so beautiful. And I was like, this is so interesting. And I had you in mind because I knew that you had lived there. I thought you still lived there. I think when I went out there, but apparently you moved and became an Angelino like me. Yes, I'm still adjusting. <laughs> that was mm. a crazy switch. <laughs> you, you've taken some big leaps. I have. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel that resonance with what I was saying about the desert 
being kind of perfect for a little darkness. Yeah, yeah. No, very much, very much. And I spent a lot of time observing, you know, the animals there and those survival instincts that they have and what they're able to do. Uh, even the plants, it's so mm -hmm. wild and so inspiring. I miss it a lot. I really miss the desert. There's just something about it, the colors, the smells, the air, the, the dust. I don't know. It's just <laughs> so special. Do you feel like a goth lady? Like I'm wondering because your art, it is that strange juxtaposition between cuteness and like uh -huh. goth, like a darkness. And I'm wondering like, yes. how do people perceive you in real life? Are you perceived in the same way as your art? Well, my art used to be a lot more goth. Before I, I started working with watercolors about three years ago, three, four years ago. But before that, my work was entirely black. It was charcoal, it was black ink. And the themes themselves were very, very dark. It was different. Yeah, there was not really a softness to it like there is today. But my work now is a lot more authentic because I think I, I learned a lot about who I was in, mm. in the past few years. And I think now it's showing. I feel like what I'm creating now is it's me 100% or at least representative of where I am right now. You know, mm -hmm. each, each piece of art is really a snapshot of the moment when it was created, you know, and then you continue to grow and then you create something else. But I, I, am, I feel definitely very dark at heart. <laughs> and I love that. When did you encounter shadow work and how? Like, what was your introduction to it? Um, shadow work? Okay, so... That was on YouTube years ago, and it was a Teal Swan video. <laughs> and I didn't really understand it at the time. So I did more, more research still on YouTube. I, I learned a lot of stuff on YouTube when I began on my, my little spiritual journey. I didn't really understand how to do it at first, because I guess I didn't realize that I had so much stuff hidden inside me or mm -hmm. buried, really. I had no access to those emotions. I was in complete denial. So it, it took years until I was able to, to reach, reach for it. I actually remember coming across your videos on YouTube years ago. And I think I found you on YouTube before I found the podcast. And you talked about shadow work too. And around the same time, I found Kellyanne Maddox's channel, who also talked about shadow work. Yeah. And I learned some stuff there too. Yeah. I love peer-to-peer -peer healing. I know not everyone's into that, but I am. I love sharing my personal lessons and my journey because that's how I also love to learn. I love to hear other mm. people's experiences. Me too. I, I feel like I need a concrete example in order to understand something, especially when it's a concept like shadow work. You know, it's a little oof, confusing at first. Mm -hmm. So the more I heard about how people practiced it and applied it to their lives, I was able to better understand how I could apply it to my experience. And from there, you know, grew a lot. Do you have any superstition about reinforcing negativity and like making it more real by bringing it to life through a card, through like you have a enamel pin that says anxiety that like somebody could wear on their jacket yeah. and walk around with all day long. And for me, I came up in the new age law of attraction kind of movement. Mm -hmm. 
and I was in a punk rock band and I wrote all the lyrics and they were all like super angry and all the things I wanted to say that I couldn't say about the government Mm -hmm. and like all this dark stuff that was in contrast to my very sunny personality. It confused a lot of people. And when I very first started, there was a little superstition, like, am I calling this in? I think is what I was thinking, but Mm -hmm. I ultimately decided this is catharsis. And then it kind of turned into a shadow work thing. And I got really into the shadow work side Mm -hmm. of it. That's why I ask. Yeah. I think the law of attraction backfires when you're not aware of your emotions. Yeah. So you can try to call something very positive into your life. But if you don't have a profound belief that you deserve it, that it is for you, then it won't come to you. And you will probably get something that is completely the opposite of what you want, just because of your your own beliefs about it. But when you own your anger, if you own your anxiety, you own your fear, you don't have to, to like go around and tell people that you're scared, but just having that honesty just with yourself that really dissipates any sort of negative energy. Your vibration is more likely to increase and expand Mm -hmm. and attract all those good things that you want rather than the opposite. Just because you're in that place of authenticity, even if you're feeling like crap, but you're aware that you're feeling like crap and you're okay with it. Yeah. I think this is why I love the name of your Oracle deck reclaim you're reclaiming something that's there i really believe that we Mm -hmm. manifest we manifest largely from the subconscious which yes we don't have any control over that and that also means we're manifesting from our shadows so Uh you can try to deny it but you're still going to be calling that stuff in even more strongly if you're denying it so yes i think the word reclaim is so powerful as a title for that oracle deck in that way yes Well, because your shadow is so desperate to be heard, it will find any way possible. It will try. It will continue trying. It will never give up. It's you. Yeah. (laughs) It's literally you. It's like some poor little kid trapped in you, some thing that froze you in time back when you were Mm -hmm. four years old that's just wants that love. Yeah. And to come back to the body, the body is also desperate for you to hear that pain. And so it will try to translate it for you to to see it through a disease and that's also another way of looking at it and of looking at healing and now I if I'm physically sick I I always have this awareness I'm trying to to tune in and find out if there's a a message that wants to be heard right now Um, you know I've had an issue with chronic illness for years and that was very painful and it wasn't until I, I did that emotional work that it started going away. I've seen you identify as having ADHD and borderline personality disorder, which I think is very terrifying for a lot of people mm-hmm. to publicly say I have BPD. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm wondering, do you feel that the chronic illness is related to that, that that's trapped pain from that experience? Or do you think those are totally different things? Well, I think the the physical symptoms and the mental health symptoms are connected in that they come from the same source, which is my childhood experiences and or the experiences of my mother, my grandmother, whatever was inherited at birth. So, yeah, I just 
I'm really interested in my emotions because like I said, when I was little, there was no room for them. And then when I grew up and became an adult, all of a sudden my emotions were everywhere, but I wasn't aware of them. So, so I would just act them out. And I did a lot of crazy things. <laughs> and I'm just so glad that I finally, after 10, 15 years of uh, running around kind of aimlessly to have found a some stability and a platform for me to channel those emotions and give them a voice and maybe hold a mirror for people to see themselves in and yep. to learn from. Honestly, when I look at Reclaim, I'm like, oh, wait, if I didn't have BPD, I would not have created that deck because BPD means that I experience my emotions very intensely. So that's why I'm able to tune in and really feel them like so strongly, so much that an image appears in my head that I draw from. So I feel like I'm learning to see my emotional sensitivity as a superpower rather than a huge flaw. And that's a big game changer for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What is the experience of being diagnosed with that? I feel like there's a special kind of shame that I've heard people talk about that comes with that diagnosis. Like they already feel shame, but then the diagnosis comes again with another layer of shame. I think the shame for a lot of us comes from the fact that BPD is so stigmatized and misunderstood. Yeah. Uh, We, there's a lot of cliches. I mean, not all people with BPD are, are violent, aggressive. They're actually more likely to be violent towards themselves and have internal experiences with that rage, you know, so self-harm, mm. self-destructive behaviors. That's very, very terrible. And it's very hard to, to talk about. I was really relieved when I got a proper diagnosis, which was only like a little over a year ago. Oh my goodness. Uh, I didn't know that. I know. I didn't even realize it could be BPD until fairly recently. I didn't really know what, what was wrong with me. Hearing it from, from someone else was, uh, was really important for me. Then mm-hmm. uh, of course, I mean, the, the diagnosis itself really doesn't have that much value besides validation, but then it's the work that you do following the diagnosis that can really, really make a difference. One of the cliches, I guess, that I have bought into with BPD is a lack of consistency. Mm-hmm. And so when I see you being so consistent now for a couple of years and creating this world and also having a husband, a, a marriage for a long time, those things kind of fly in the face of that cliche. Yes. Well, I had to learn consistency. I had to create uh, structures for myself in order to function in order to become a little more reliable just for myself and finding routines, putting systems in place daily uh, really helped with that, with my mental stability. Do you have an example you can share for people who are relating to what you're saying, like a structure you put in place or some routine and some way it helped? Well, so far, really what's helping the most is uh, my morning routine. Just having the same morning routine every single morning, I I do the exact same things. And that usually helps me start the day with more energy and more confidence. It really helps increase my sense of self-reliance, which is huge. Because I've learned over the years that I couldn't trust myself 
which is ridiculous. Mm. So watching myself every day complete tasks and finish them and making a list in the morning of what I have to do and going through the list step by step and just simply watching myself do that again and again, that increases my sense of confidence. And then I feel more confident around others. And I feel like I can be trusted also, not just, you know, within myself, but also like other people can also rely on me. Mm-hmm. I think that's such an important thing to note. You can build trust with yourself, just like you would build trust with anyone. And the way I perceive it is you do that through esteemable acts. You take mm-hmm. action that builds trust and it builds over time. You keep building trust with yourself and you can start so small. It does. And I remember when I created Reclaim in the beginning, I realized that action was the answer to a lot of the stuff that had been troubling me for years. I realized that the power of action just to watch yourself do the thing, you know, yeah, that was huge. Absolutely. I think where there's pain, a lot of times it wants to move. It wants to be given expression and mm-hmm. how perfect that you're an artist. You get to physically create these images. I do. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. And then what's so fascinating is the Lilifer. And I love that title because hello, Lucifer and Lilith. It's so cool. The Lilifer tarot, it just bursts out. You have this very gothic, but feminine palette. And then all of a sudden it's rainbows and it's bright and it's still the same world. It's still these same really cute monster figures, but in rainbow bright colors was that a product of healing or you just Um, felt like doing something different I think I felt like being bold (laughs) Mm -hmm. because you know like I mentioned earlier my my work used to be very black and bleak and dark and so reclaim had a little touch of color but it wasn't quite there yet and I just had this craving for color and I wanted to explode everywhere and I love painting with watercolors it it makes me so happy it's just so fun and it just kind of flows I guess because it's water thrown on the paper and so that already is pretty magical yeah and it's bold it's bold usually when I think of watercolor I think of something more soft but your colors are very saturated and bright (laughs) I couldn't help it (laughs) I love it it made me so happy it's so beautiful is there a different response to Lilifer than there is to Reclaim or do you find it's the same it's the same group of people Actually, it's been interesting because so Reclaim tends to draw in more women or people who identify as women. But actually, I've had a lot of male customers <laughs> buying Lilifer. So I think that's really cool. There's a little bit more of a balance of, between masculine and feminine in Lilifer. And that was intentional because it's built around these two archetypes, uh, Lilith and Lucifer. So naturally, the deck is going to... Um, represent that it's so funny that it's called that because I think both of those archetypes need to be reclaimed and reclaim is your first deck and you're reclaiming Lilith Lilith (laughs) (laughs) you're reclaiming Lilith and Lucifer and there's a lot of power in doing that too I know quite a few people who have done that 
separately, but never together the way that, that you put them together. Yeah, because they came together within my spiritual practice. So it just felt really natural to me. I feel like they ordered the creation of the deck, really. The name came first, actually, before I had any pictures because I, I would sit in the garden in Joshua Tree and say a morning prayer and I would always address them too. And just one morning I had the word Lilifer came through and I was like, oh that's something. And I was already thinking about creating a deck at the time and it just clicked and I started painting and and that was it. It was born. Wait a minute, you're in the garden praying to Lilith and Lucifer? <laughs> well, yeah, I would do like a morning prayer as I do all the time. And that is uh, so metal. Why are you praying to Lucifer? Is that, is that why you were able to tap it's really into not, that? It's really not as uh, metal as it sounds. It's just very innocent. Lilith came to me years ago when I was still living in Berlin. She actually appeared in my work. The first works that I refer to as intuitive arts, there were paintings that had Lilith in them. She just came through on the paper. And I was afraid of her at the beginning because we have, I mean, we have these ideas about Lilith being this dark demoness, which I think is just not at all. It's just very limiting. She, she's so much more than that. Mm-hmm. And over time, I, I became more curious about her and we had some nice encounters again through art a lot. And she came into my dreams also. She felt like a friend, really, like a like an alter ego. In a what way. is it like when Lilith comes to you in a dream? What is that? What does that look like? What does that feel like? She usually speaks to me through symbols or colors or sometimes her figure. But she's very shy. She's very shy. She's always more like a silhouette. I've rarely seen her up close. And the way she appears to me is very much like the way she looks in the cards, (laughs) like this red figure. Uh, She doesn't have hair. She has these like pointy little horns and she has this like little demon tail kind of. (laughs) That's just her energy. There's something playful about her. She has a lot of energy. She's very fiery, but also very elusive and mysterious. Um, Yeah. And then Lucifer is the light bringer. I joke in saying it's very metal, but I do think people who want to work with that energy, there is something kind of metal about their personality because to step to the precipice of that energy, there's so much fear embedded into our culture around that. I think that what drew me or what drew them to me or vice versa, who knows which came first, but is that to me, they are the outcast of the spiritual world and of uh, religion. And I identify with that. You know, I was, uh, I was bullied well into my 20s. I didn't fit in. I, I, I got lost so many times. I really struggled with identity, who I was, very bad self-esteem. And the world was very, very scary to me. And Lucifer and Lilith were very validating and empowering forces to me. And I think that's why I built a relationship with them because they gave me a strength that actually they didn't give it to me. They just reminded me that 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 strength was actually already in me and I just had to tap into it. And that was very healing 
again, you know, they made me go within, like, like I continue to do now. And like, I, and like I encourage people to do as well. That is fascinating. This is all so cohesive. Mm-hmm. The world is just so cohesive. Did the two energies, do they interact with each other or did you just kind of bring them together because those are energies that you I you like. know it's really strange because it's not like they're not together they feel like they're they're not a team but they're very respectful of each other's energy there's this boundary between them they're not the same but they will join forces towards the same goal I feel like to me, it's the perfect balance of the masculine and feminine energies that we really, really need to, to find in the world right now. So that's another layer, you know. Mm-hmm. The rejected feminine and the rejected masculine. Yes, yes. And how it's starting to, to come forward a little bit more now. You know, men are awakening to the divine masculine uh, in beautiful ways, but it's going to take some time. It's, it's difficult. It's painful. I was thinking about the timeliness of your work. It feels like so important to the moment. And we're recording this right now during Pride Month. And when I think Mm -hmm. about Pride, it's like rainbow flags and sparkling (laughs) dildos and hair dyed every color. And I'm like, wow, okay, I can somehow I can tie this back to the Lilliford deck because it is a reclamation of the shamed and rejected masculine and feminine energies. And when I look Mm -hmm. at pride these are often people who feel that they were rejected and shamed yeah stepping out in all the rainbow colors like I'm here and I'm not going anywhere and I won't be ashamed of myself anymore yeah definitely it's the I am who I am I love that Mm -hmm. I'm so excited to have an actual (laughs) conversation with you about this and your art really speaks for itself all of these things you're expressing in words what I could just feel from your art. And it's kind of gratifying to get to talk to you and be like, this is what I thought it was. Uh, (laughs) It really comes through so loud and clear. uh, Thank you. That is is great to hear because it's really difficult for me sometimes to put words on my thoughts because my thoughts are going so fast. And also I'm not speaking in my native language. And so sometimes I struggle to find the right word and it's a little stressful. So I'm glad that I was able to convey somehow something that made sense to you. (laughs) Yeah, it's perfect. Maybe you're not meant to. Maybe this is how you communicate. You know, yes, you know, I was never a very vocal person. I was very shy as a kid. And I think that's why I started drawing, you know, somehow I feel more comfortable expressing myself visually. And if that's my path, then so be it. I want to ask you about something that I might regret because I have a feeling this is a little over my head, but I'm so curious. I saw you say something about the numbers in Lilifer are inspired by ancient Arabic numerals as they first appeared in medieval Europe in 976 AD. And yes, I just read that. What? (laughs) (laughs) How did you get interested in that? Wow. Yeah. Well, you know, I just wanted to have like interesting numbers in the deck. And I also wanted to make people work a little bit. By work, I mean, really look at the card Mm -hmm. because 
with tarot sometimes you know we pull the cards and we quickly glance at you know the the little title on it like a two of swords or five of cups boom okay and we don't really look at the picture but to me the way i read tarot and i really look at the picture and i look at like what detail in the card is calling out to me and i know that that's my answer that's the clue so that's why symbolism was really important to me when I created Lilifer. And there's a lot of little details in the cards that give you clues about the meaning and will help you find the right interpretation. You don't actually need the number. If you just count the swords and if you count the cups, you'll know what number it is. And so I think that's why I wanted to put like funny looking numbers in there because they're not really that important. And also to add an element of mystery and also honor the fact that tarot is a very, very old tradition that spans so many different parts of history. I mean, tarot today is such a blend of different traditions. I find it fascinating the more I learn about it. Um, So it's like my spirituality my practice mixed in with like older traditions it's it's a happy little melting pot yeah and there's little like secret codes built in yes you're putting the mystery back in what has been demystified for our age I think and you're demanding that we pay attention yeah well that would be nice (laughs) it's just you know I love symbols and I know that some people have gotten frustrated with that choice, but it's okay. (laughs) That's okay too. When you're reading tarot. Yeah. You are tapping into the mysteries you're meant to and whatever feeling comes up, that's the thing you get to sit with. Yeah. Even if it's frustration. Like your your sister, your sister got the frustration card tattooed on her body. She did. And it's funny because I never told her, but she actually inspired the card because the expression and the posture, that's what she did when she was little and she was not happy. She would just cross her arms (laughs) and pout. My, My parents always called her grumpy because, well, she was a grumpy little kid, but you know, she was just trying to get her needs met and that's beautiful. Oh, I love that. Where can people find you? I'm going to link to everything, but where can they find you if they're driving around and they're not staring at their screen right now? (laughs) Okay, so my website is little-darkness.com and I'm also on Instagram at littledarkpress. Okay, little dark. the main places. Oh, this was so wonderful. I hope we can do this again. The next deck, you'll have to come back. And yeah, I would love that. to. Yeah, I, this is not over, Marianne. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but can you leave us with one tip for creating the cake-ass life of your dreams? And it can be anything that comes to mind. It doesn't have to be like the end-all be-all. Okay, well, I'm going to keep it short. Find who you are and just be that. Mm. Easier said than done. Right? Yeah, it's a big job. (laughs) Step onto the journey of getting there. Yeah, baby steps. Baby steps, yeah. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you so much for having me. That was really fun. Wasn't that such an interesting conversation? I love someone who is unafraid to go deep. 
and maybe even enjoys it. And Marion is definitely one of those people. If you want to check out either one of her decks, there will be links in the show notes. There will also be links to the Shadow Love audio journey and the Magic Star audio journey. And both of them are 50% off right now when you put self-worth in at checkout, all lowercase, no spaces. I hope you are loving the revamp of the podcast. I'm not done yet. There are still things that I'm going to do to complete this transition that I started earlier in the spring. I'm just taking my time with it. But there might be a voicemail coming up here very, very soon. I signed up to have a voicemail so you all can ask me questions. We can do Q&A episodes if you like. And I'm going to get the podcast up on Spotify and Amazon soon. So the transition continues. If you're loving it so far, please take the time to leave me a review over on iTunes. That helps the podcast reach more people. Or and or you can become a patron. I'm Joanna DeVoe over on Patreon. And I have a couple of tiers that I offer over there. The first one starts at $3.00. $3 a month and it's a good time. There's a really awesome community that has gathered over there. I love those people so much. And if you're a regular listener of the podcast, I consider you a part of my community too. So thank you so much for being here. Until we meet again, always remember life is change. Change is magic. Magic is life. And the journey is the creation. Much love to you. Peace. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.